it's January 2021. America has a new president. Britain's under lockdown again. And what's more, the broadcast news wrap is back and we're still your weekly go-to for the biggest and most important TV news. The year's barely begun as President Biden gets his feet under the Oval Office desk, but there's been no let-up in Teleland, and we've got a full show for you after our short break for the Christmas and New Year periods. It's New Year new faces all round as the SVODs go on a hiring spree, with Disney Plus and Netflix both raiding the UK market for new roles. Departures in the indie sector lead to discussions around how companies will react to consolidation and the financial pressures of COVID. All of that, plus international editor John Elms has sat down with drama producer Nicola Schindler as she launches her new production business, Key Street Productions, and gears up for Channel 4's new Russell T Davies drama, It's a Sin. We've got the exclusive audio for you right here. So welcome back. Uh, it's the first broadcast news wrap uh, of this year, podcast 31, Can You Believe It? Uh, I'm Jesse Whittock, and I am joined today uh, by John Elms, broadcast international editor, and Max mm. Goldbart, uh, senior reporter. Max, how are you? Uh, yeah, very good, thanks. Thanks for coming to me first. There you go. What a, what a start to the year. It's been 20... 20 days without a podcast which Sorry, is a shame yeah. <laughs> yeah that makes it really makes it position like that was a conscious choice uh, and then i'm 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 relegated to third position it was absolutely to undermine your confidence john <laughs> very undermined i think the first thing we should do um, with any podcast is stress the hierarchy of that podcast <laughs> and we've, we've set out our stool within a few minutes okay lots to uh discuss um specifically um the svods uh, are already making unscripted role uh, across Europe. Um, it's quite a big one, quite a damaging one for Channel 4, who are also uh, reading from the news that Kelly Webb-Lamb, the uh, Deputy Director of Programming, will exit later this year. But not to be outdone, Netflix, uh, who are on the hunt for a new UK documentary team, which we're going to discuss, uh, have recently, in fact, just this week, uh, as, as the story went on broadcast, uh, hired Reba Sharma. Um, she's going to take on a sort of features doc role. Um, and as we say, there will be more uh, British uh, commissioning uh, execs hired in the next couple of weeks. Um, so, Max, you were working on those stories. Um, take us through um, what's, what's your read on, on what's happening here? Yeah, it's been a, a really interesting start to the year um, because I would never, thinking back to previous years, I don't think we would ever have encountered so many interesting job changes um, right at the very, very top of companies. So Kelly Webb-Lamb at Channel 4, uh, who isn't leaving for, for a while, I think, um, but will be off and has announced that, that, that she is off. So that's a, that's a big blow and there, there are some big, um, big changes to come there. Uh, but regarding the SVODs, which is really what we're going to talk about for, for the meat of today, I think it's really fascinating to see them, first of all, in the case of Disney, picking up somebody who's a very traditional broadcasting commissioner, PSB commissioner in the shape of Sean Doyle. He's basically been blooded through the PSB system. So he worked for BBC in-house in a development role for a long time, did um, kind of daytime formats development. Uh, moved to Channel 5, had a had a two or three year career at Channel 5 and most recently has been working uh, for Channel 4 and also commissioning for More 4. Um, so I think that's a really interesting uh, signal that Disney are sending out 
um, that they do want to work with somebody who like really knows the system. Uh, and from, from what I understand it, he, he beat several really quite high profile indie execs who have also been commissioners in the past, um, who might have had more experience working with huge budgets. Uh, but clearly there's something that Disney see in Sean and he's, he's like, don't get me wrong, hugely, hugely highly regarded. I think he's a real people person. I think indies really like working with him. And I think he has those connections. It looks like it's going to be a year where we're going to see more factual and more generally unscripted commissioning from the SVODs to UK indies, which which is exciting, both from Sean Doyle's Disney perspective um, and with this new Netflix team. So Netflix is looking to hire two documentary series commissioners, uh, both of which will be based in the UK, have a certain degree of autonomy. As you mentioned, Jesse Reva Sharma, who worked for Minnow Films, is joining in a in a features role. So they've got a big team now. That's um, I think in the end they'll have about five documentary commissioners, um, which is probably I don't know is that roughly equal to to Channel Four ITV, possibly more than ITV. So if we're talking about SVODs acting as broadcasters, I think this is uh, both both companies like Netflix and Disney really planting their flag in the UK sector. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? It's um, when you think about the roles that these uh, these guys who are um, forsaking the broadcasting, uh, the UK broadcast market, uh, or their, their broadcasting jobs, or their indie jobs, and switching over to uh, the SPOD side, question, I suppose, for them, or, or for us to sort of investigate is, are those roles changing to become more like PSB roles? Or are those people who are considered some of the, uh, the best in the indie sector or in the commissioning sector, are they being cherry picked to go over to the SPOD uh, side of things sort of change their focus and adapt to the Netflix model or to the Disney plus commissioning model I think you're both right but I think we might be getting too hung up on the idea that uh, we've got a PSB commissioner going to a streamer that is that's happening a lot I mean it's happening in the states traditional broadcasters in the states execs are going to streamers uh, because they you know they know how to handle the kind of stuff that uh takes a commission you know come up with the idea go through treatment here pitches and stuff and see what would work for audiences i think potentially the difference between a disney plus audience and a channel 4 audience is going to be grand but channel 4 tend to skew younger so disney plus would also skew younger i think the idea is interesting because these people have got an eye on really good ideas and then the kind of things that are associated with Disney Plus, and I've spoken to a couple of independent producers who have produced for Disney Plus and have told me that in, with this new uh, system that they're going on with uh, concentrating on streaming, Disney as the whole, uh, the parent company concentrating on streaming, is they're going on to really big, like, really magnify these ideas and blow them up into a Disney Plus show. So you can have a really good idea. The next thing to do is to then Disney Plusify it you know, go big on budget, go big on talent, go big if it's a specialist factual about science, go big on, you know, new scientific methods that new technology that shows the the, the story in, in a, a grand light. So I think these commissioners will have shrewd ideas about what sticks and then, you know, we'll have teams around them uh, to, to be able to maximize that, especially with the Netflix one, as you mentioned, they've now got, will have a cadre of, 
um, commissioners, really keen commissioners, working together on what might best as what might work best as a feature and what might work best as a TV series. I know that when Kate Townsend joined Netflix, one of the first um, shows that came around through her and was the the, the sports doc Losers, interplayed cartoon with a, like a traditional documentary of talking heads about sports. Um, now she's doing features uh, and handing over to whomever these two people are for the streaming uh, TV series. So, you know, I think they all will be able to work together quite well. Um, and it, again, it does it does point to things that uh, the Netflix's, Netflix execs and Disney execs have kind of intimated that the UK outside of America is the, is the territory which, which is the best place to then to subsequently grow its international output and um, platform mm. and you've you've talked me around there a little bit because i think it can be slightly overstated that the the s4s are raiding the broadcasters for commissioners because the reality is like these are all newly created roles and there aren't other SVOD factual commissioners based in the UK. So really, if you're the headhunter or if, if you're seeking these people, you really have to look at the broadcasters or maybe Sky or or you have to look at the big producers, some of whom may have formerly worked as commissioners. But it's not, it's not I suppose, the biggest stretch to think that the majority of people who are going to get jobs working for an SVOD in the UK are probably going to have worked for a broadcaster for worked for a PSB for a significant period of time. Can Absolutely. I also just say um, to John, great use of the phrase Disney Plusify. Um, <laughs> I think you might have coined that. I think it's the first time I've heard it. <laughs> and, uh, and I do wonder if uh, how much the, uh, the, the market will be Disney Plusified uh, going forwards. But I suppose the question here, uh, if it's not about, um, if it's not about the, the sort of changing shape or um, if we're actually saying that uh, you know, ultimately, people are going to SVODs because they're the people who've actually got the expertise in this, and it's probably not much more than that. I suppose the question is, does the opportunity for indies improve with these guys in position? I mean, we're a about two months away from the next indie survey coming out. Whilst I expect that survey to be dominated by sort of the industry's response to COVID, we do every year uh, ask the sector to our uh, to um, sort of rank the broadcasters and the streamers. Now, last year was the first year that Netflix came top of that um, of that chart. The sort of in terms of the strength of the streamers. So it'll be really interesting to see going forward what the indie market is making of all these streamers. Now that it's starting to formulate into a, a proper sector. Someone speaking to me um, over Christmas said, you know, Netflix is almost like the network TV of a few years ago. So the new streamers are the the new players, and Netflix is now the the legacy media, even though it is completely trailblazing. So it is setting itself up as a kind of holistic entity, as a PSB commissioner and producer, and and as we know, film distributor and and and, and streaming service. Yeah, I, that's that's a that's that's a really interesting point. Like it's by Netflix is by no means like a new player, is it? And and I think like looking at the, the, the there's not like an infinite pie in terms of how many ideas indies can pitch and, and how many are going to get green lit so the i don't think psbs will be like quaking in their boots but i think there will be a, a kind of small fear that if people like sean doyle and whoever is going to get these netflix jobs continue to move over then the 
indie the kind of the more bread and butter indies that that make shows regularly for psbs will start hedging their bets more and and going over to the streamers more and at the moment like you john you were just talking about volume you know the svod commissioning volume remains very small in the uk and is constantly an argument used by the psbs for the fact that they're just streets apart from each other the bbc commissions nigh on ten thousand hours worth of content from uk indies a year and netflix commissions 200 or or, or something like that i'm not 100 percent on those figures if that only changes a little bit that's fine um but like the the indie the relationships with indies from these traditional psb commissioners who are moving across uh i think there's there's a chance that the svods will find in a few months time uh, excuse me the psbs will find in a few months time that they're maybe not quite getting the same ideas that they were before or if they're losing a few of those relationships uh, and i don't think they'll be too happy about that well those weren't the only uh, sort of people moves that we've reported on in the last uh, few days also seen some quite big uh, indie departures uh, murray ferguson uh, is leaving clerkenwell films the drama producer he's been there since its inception um, and he exits as bbc studios takes full control of Clark and Wells and consolidates that business uh, into its broader drama division. Um, and uh, Tanya Shaw is also leaving Shine. So that's a really big one in the uh, unscripted and factual entertainment market. Shine TV being the producer behind the, uh, the uh, MasterChef brands and you know, other uh, top shows for, for PSBs. I understand or broadcast understands that uh, the, the MD role is going to remain and uh, uh, Shine is going to stay a standalone label for the time being, uh, mm. you know, uh, in for the foreseeable future. I I do think, you know, I think the, the departures, as we've alluded to, are, are kind of signs of, of, of movement in the industry as wider, not taking these in isolation. I'm not, and I'm not, we're not saying that, their departures are, you know, expressive of the whole industry. But I think there is obviously going to be more fluctuation because of uncertainties over uh, over the coronavirus, and obviously, you know, as 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 both of you have said, the the consolidation of companies generally points to departures um, in complementary roles. I think where you know, Shine is Shine is a very defined in terms of what it produces i think it's got a clear remit so i think someone to steer that with the uh the creative team i i think it's definitely something that is is to keep an eye on if if more of these departures continue we'll we'll see that it's definitely part of the trend the, the financial picture for absolutely every company working in british television a year ago was better than it is now right there's there's been a an unprecedented year of um, of just the strangest, um, you know, cultural and, uh, and social problems. Um, and for a business like broadcasting, which is sort of, you know, cyclical and um, based on sort of personal relationships and, um, you know, interaction and, and all of these sorts of things, it really just makes it a very strange place at the moment. And financially, that is felt by the fact that the tariffs have gone down that commissioning levels have dropped we've got data from our from our commissioning index and and our program index that shows that you know the the, the numbers have are down it's, it's it's stark it's there 
Now, uh, we should move on uh, to our interview for the day, uh, something uh, maybe slightly more uh, upbeat than talking about restructuring and financial difficulty. John, you, you've been talking to Nicola Schindler, uh, formerly of Red Production Company, uh, now has just launched her own production company, Key Street Productions. Nicola, it's great to hear about Key Street, you know, a, a very personal production company and the first as well so it's the first time i've properly talked about it formally outside of deciding what it is oh i like this i i, I feel very honored just quickly take me through on what what is key street productions looking like for me key street was always a place because i went to work there when i was the um script head john cracker and that's when i first started working there and it was a place of ultimate creativity so you just felt that there was ambition in the air and there were people who wanted to make programs and there was an excitement about content and and that's what i want to replicate really so it isn't just it isn't just nostalgia it's genuine it's one of the few buildings and i'm not in that building but it is one of the few buildings that i've walked into where you just thought i want to make something absolutely just quickly what 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 will the operation look like is it just you in the office by yourself have you got plans to stuff up i have yet so i am very much an independent production company who are backed by ITV Studios. So I am, you know, it, it's going to feel like, you know, similar to the beginnings of Red, it's going to feel something that I'm setting up, something that I'm going to bring other people to. And yes, I've started to talk with people. Um, there are, you know, a few development people who are going to start quite soon, different people from different areas, different levels of experience. And then I want to be in production as soon as I can and then grow the company. I'm, you know, I'm a small setup at the moment, so I'm going to see how it goes. But also I'm working with a lot of the backroom staff at ITV. So, you know, they're, they're very supportive and they're going to be there for any kind of more business related conversations that I'm going to have. And then I get to run it as an indie. Um, but I want their expertise. I want their knowledge. I really enjoyed my meetings with Julian Bellamy. I think what he brings in terms of knowledge about both the international market as well as the national market is really useful to me. So I'm really looking forward to working with them, alongside mm. them. Sure. And and, and is that, in, 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 in terms of its in, your independence, does that involve that you have kind of final say over the, the projects you pursue? I mean, how much is the involvement on the creative input as no it were no, no involvement no i have say over what we should be making and what we will make and obviously with my team but not with itv that's something that they're happy to leave with me and and you know they value my experience in that and they're looking forward to what i bring yeah brilliant does itv the broadcaster get first dibs on any productions or is it a not formally, no. So um, I have always I make a lot of shows for ITV anyway, yeah. and so I have a really good relationship there, and I want to develop that relationship. Um, it's there's no pressure to go to ITV first. I'll go whichever to whoever whichever broadcaster suits the project. There's no first look deal. There's nothing formalised. But like I said, I enjoy working with Polly, and I enjoy working for ITV. So that isn't an issue for me. Hmm. I will be looking to develop for them, but I'll be also looking to develop for every other channel. Sure. Before you left uh, Red and, and went to set up Key Street, you kind of packed in a lot of work <laughs> beforehand and obviously still have a few dramas coming out in the near future with which you're still execing because of yeah. part of Red. There is no, there doesn't seem to be a, a thread between them or anything. So kind of just give me a sense of what kind of projects you're pursuing in, in terms of where you're reaching your development, who you're working with, that kind of thing. Well, I 
started last week so obviously <laughs> I'm just now but I am going to do similar to what I did at Red in that I want to develop across the spectrum I want to go I want to make some very mainstream dramas and I want to make some dramas which could only be on Channel 4 and then I want to make dramas which feel like they need to stream on Netflix so I'm looking for all those different kind of projects for me it's about the stories and finding the really good stories and I want to make sure that I'm telling contemporary exciting kind of provocative stories which make people sit up and pay attention that's the, that's the things that make me passionate and they can be honestly they can be anything from you know a show that is, is for an older generation to a show that can be a YA kind of content it, it's just about the storytelling yeah so I, you know if there's a thread it's that I'm I've moved from one company to the other and I'm going to bring that passion for that kind of storytelling I also want to make sure that I put the writers at the centre of every project which is something I always wanted to do at Red you know bring those voices to the fore make sure that we're listening to a lot of authored voices make sure that we are telling stories from a diverse range of people for sure for sure um your relationship with russell t davis is about that in in the drama world do you feel that that you want to bring those those people that you've been working with a lot over the past 20 odd years into the key street Fold. Well, I never want to stop working with those writers. I definitely want to carry on working with those people because they're exceptional writers and they're brilliant at what they do. And they have that kind of story that I'm talking about, the kind of story that, that is so entertaining, but yeah. that means something at the same time. So yes, I want to keep working with them. I would never presume that they'll just follow me anywhere. And I don't think they will, and I wouldn't want that. I have to earn their respect and I have to earn them wanting to work with me. So I have to work very hard on the shows that they give me. And then and then make sure that they, you know, hope that they come to me with the next one. If I, if I just, if we just step back into something that I've, I've wanted to ask because I don't think it was necessarily as much communicated in the in the original release. What was suddenly the the change to step away and do something new, set so to carve out a new label in in, in a market that let's face it is quite saturated with drama labels and drama is obviously difficult. What was the thrust behind going on a new path with Key Street? Well, it just felt time for me to do something new. So I'd, I'd been at Red for 21 years and it, it felt like I had an opportunity to think about doing something new and I wanted that fresh start. It's really hard to say. It's just one of those things where you get to a point where you think I need to try something new now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got the kind of track record already. So setting up a new venture isn't doesn't seem as much of a risk for yourself or, or ITV Studios. You know, what, what, what is your take on the drama landscape at the moment? I think um, it feels risky to me, by the way. And that's one of the things I wanted to do. It feels like I'm doing something risky. It feels like a new start. It feels like I'm, I'm you know, I'm taking a step into the unknown because I, I was at Red for so long. I think it's a really exciting market right now because, because there's so much drama your drama has to be exceptional and I really like that so you're sitting with broadcasters and every one of them is saying what makes this really original what makes this the next groundbreaking drama what makes this stand out it's it no one is looking for can it be a combination of the last two hits that we've had which is you know for a time there was that feel within the industry so I think it feels really invigorated because of the amount of competition I think um, COVID hasn't done anything positive for anyone, really. I don't think it's opened up the field. I think it's made it m more difficult because there'll be less money <clears throat> for some time. And because of the hiatus for when everyone stops shooting, there'll be less slots for some time as well. Mm -hmm. So I just think it, it actually makes it more difficult for everyone. Sure. But, but COVID aside, I think it's a really good time. And I think the people who are you know, in charge of all the different broadcasters 
a really ambitious in a good way not in a i need you know not in an aggressive way in a we want to make the best we can mm. and that hasn't always been the case but for a producer that's an extraordinary time to be in yeah are, are you in a position to say any any projects that you're working on at the moment for key street no there's nothing that i'm ready to announce uh, there's some projects that i've i've had in mind there's some writers that i know i want to go to straight away there are some uh, ips that i'm looking at straight away but that, I think it'll be a few weeks before I can kind of firmly say exactly what I'm doing next. Sure. And and just quickly, is, 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 as well as kind of infrastructure, is ITV Studios helping fund development as well for the kind of yeah. the conversations you're working with? And yeah. Yes. So I will have development. I will have money to go out there and, and work with the people that I want to work with, which is great. And it's a brilliant place to be in. Um, and I, I, but, but for me, the key thing is to... to look at which which writers have got those voices and which writers i think would fit in with the with the new team and then to try and nurture from there sure absolutely um do you feel that there is a there are any issues that that currently exist in the drama world that you see continually that you feel need addressing and that hopefully with this fresh start you can you know put your at least put your marker down to help that along help solve those issues you know in the grand scheme i think the biggest issue right now for all of us and it's the same for every drama production company is is budgets and crew and and it's it, there is a real issue and i don't think me saying that i'm going to do things differently will make an io to difference because there are now set rates for crews set rates for actors budgets are, are rising and rising in a way that doesn't necessarily always end up on screen and i think production companies are finding it really hard to manage that that spend and that kind of budget increase that's happening year on year or month on month it mm. just makes it quite difficult to make the same dramas that we were looking at making two years ago and then the amount of production makes it incredibly difficult to find crew um experienced crew for every role on a production and it's not everyone's willing to take risks and i think we should take risks on new talent but there are some productions when you know there is no one available who's ever done the job before and i know that every production company is finding the same thing and it's making it just difficult but there are a group of production um heads of production production executives who are the unsung heroes in drama who are gathering together all the time who are trying to manage this who are, are working through so that every company can carry on so productions can happen but it's always going to be difficult you know the, the least ambitious show in the world right now is very difficult to make i'm going to move on to uh arguably the uh one, one of the, the finest sections in british podcasting at the moment uh, the what we've been watching segment of of the broadcast news wrap and i'm going to start with you john um what has been on the box in the elms household well i i came to it a week late uh but i'm i'm glad i did but i've i watched uh the pembrokeshire murders uh from itv and i binged it in in an evening um i sat down i watched three episodes back to back and then i watched the true crime documentary on the game show killer afterwards i thought it was fantastic i thought it was a great great show i'm mean, really really actually probably the best of the um of the of the true crime dramas i've seen because it it still had a bit of jeopardy obviously these true crime dramas depend on you know what the story is um and this one happened to have a, a an element of jeopardy a race against time so it added a dimension to the actual true crime element but it was it was brilliant and off the back of that all this it was it's so dependent on forensics and 
basically uh, kind of pinning the crimes of a killer based on um, forensics that I then started um, Red Productions uh, Traces, uh, which is uh, it was original an alibi, but it's been acquired by the BBC. And I was like, I'm just going to go on a true crime forensics drama glut. Uh, so I'm I'm going through Traces. Um, I'm not going to try and compare them. They're completely different. Um, but uh, if anyone out there is watching, uh, wanting to watch a drama, I be do worse, much, much worse than watching Pembroke Murders. It's phenomenal. You, you've gone deeply down the, the true crime rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like you're not the only one. I think the consolidated numbers for um, Pembrokeshire are something like 11.2 million, which is you know one of ITV's biggest dramas in, in a very long time. Almost precisely the opposite, Jesse. I've, I've been on RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series 2. Uh, it launches on BBC iPlayer on a, on a Thursday and then you can watch it whenever you want. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm super, super impressed. I'm also at this point going to push my interview with World of Wonder, the, the creators of, of Drag Race. We sat down last week and had a really interesting interview about why the show has only very recently achieved mainstream success outside of the US. But Drag Race Series 2 started really, really well. What I really like about it, you t when you're watching a kind of reality entertainment show, you, you watch the first episode and you tend to be a bit frustrated that you haven't got to know the characters the way you did in the series before. Whereas uh, I think because the format of Drag Race is so well defined, you just immediately start connecting with the characters. And after like one episode, I already just kind of felt like I knew them as well as I did with the previous clique which I think is, is like a masterstroke. Like it's very, very difficult to create that so quickly. Drag Race has been going for almost 15 years uh, for most of that time in the US. And you can just tell that they've hit this format. They don't have to tweak it too far, but they just know how to get people coming back to watch it. And it's just injected with just so much heart. Like it's just a really lovely thing to watch and very funny as well. I continue to love Graham Norton. He's hilarious. He does the guest judging. Uh, I, was, I was going through The Serpent, so BBC One's drama, um, which is a, uh, it probably couldn't be further from, uh, from um, RuPaul, uh, really. It's a crazy story. All the story. Pembrokeshire murders, uh, quite far from the Pembrokeshire murders. No, I mean, only in the sense that it's sort of true crime in the sense that this guy, Charles Sobraj, uh, is, uh, you know, is, is a real guy. And it's the story of how effectively he um, conned and killed hippies uh, and, and, and sort of folk who were out in Asia trying to like find themselves um, in the in the 60s and 70s. Uh, it's an absolutely wild story. Um, Jenna Coleman is, uh, is a co-star in it. She's brilliant. She's really, really good. Uh, she plays a French uh, Canadian and her accent is, is flawless. Uh, really good. It's good, isn't it? Her accent. Yeah, very good, and uh, and and I think uh, Tahir Rahim, who plays the the serpent himself, is um, absolutely terrifying. You know, it's, there's a there's real um, Hannibal Lecter kind of um, vibes. So, just quickly uh, before we go, um, can I just plug Keith Allen's performance in the Pembrokeshire Murders? I'm not going to say any more, but Keith Allen in Pembrokeshire Murders is phenomenal. He'll, he'll thank you for that, John. Um, but um, yeah, we're, we're running out of time. So uh, Max, John, thank you for joining me today. Uh, this is the first broadcast of News Wrap of the Year. It's a pleasure. Cheers, guys. Thanks for listening to the first News Wrap of 2021. I've been Broadcast Insight Editor Jesse Whittock, and you've been listening to Key Street Productions founder Nicola Schindler 
and Max Goldbart and John Elms from the broadcast editorial team. Incredibly, it's our 31st podcast since launching at the height of the pandemic in summer last year. So it's a good time to say thank you to all of the regular listeners and hello to those of you who've just found us. You can listen to all previous episodes on Spotify and iTunes or via the website www.broadcastnow.co.uk.